the Bible Study Podcast, episode 179. Today, the Bible Study Podcast starts a new study on the prophet Elijah. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Sorry, this episode's getting out a little late, but I'm starting a new study, and it took me a little longer to figure out what to do. So we're going to be talking for a little bit about the prophet Elijah, or possibly the prophets Elijah and Elisha, but I will decide that later on. If you wanted to study the prophet Elijah, you may notice that you can't flip to the book in the prophets called Elijah, because Elijah only shows up in the narrative books, so particularly in Kings or in Kings and Chronicles, which are parallel sections. They're written about the same period of time, and Elijah is a prophet who doesn't have his own book. So despite the fact that he was a major prophet, major in the sense of being an important prophet, he isn't a major prophet in the sense that he is in the books of the major prophets. Isaiah and Jeremiah, for instance, are major prophets because their books are longer. When I say he is a major prophet, you may remember that when Jesus goes through the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah show up, sort of representing the law and the prophets. And so Elijah is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament, but again, he doesn't have his own book. So we'll find him. In particular, we're going to be looking at the section from Kings. And so right in the middle of 1 Kings, in 1 Kings 17 we get this prophet who shows up. And so Elijah is introduced this way. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Kind of a stark introduction into Elijah. We learn where he is from. He is from Tishba. We learn he's from Gilead. And then immediately we jump into him prophesying. Again, this is in First Kings. First Kings is a narrative book. It's told of the story of the kings of Israel. And in this particular time, things are not good in Israel. The Lord, the God of Israel, is pissed off. And he is pissed off because people have stopped worshiping him. They have been worshiping other gods. And when I say the king of Israel, remember this is in the time of the divided kingdom. For those of you who are not familiar with Old Testament history, this Ahab becomes king roughly in 871 BC. And this is after David was king, and then Solomon is king. And then basically, we mentioned in the parenting study that Solomon's son didn't heed wise advice. And the people of the northern tribes, the 10 northern tribes of the people, the combined people of Israel, rebel against him. And so we get the 10 tribes of the north and then the two tribes of the south, Judah and Benjamin. So we get the kingdoms of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And Ahab is the king of Israel. And the problem they had in Israel was that Jerusalem was in Judah. Jerusalem, the city of David, David of the tribe of Judah. And so what we get here is that the kings say right away after there's a divided kingdom, 
if people go down to worship in Jerusalem, then they will eventually return to the king of Judah. And so immediately upon the creation of the kingdom of Israel, immediately upon the divided kingdom, they start worshiping other gods. They start setting up altars on Mount Horeb so that people don't have to go to Judah to worship. And so if you look at a history, a list of the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel, Judah goes through some good kings and some bad kings, where we measure the kings by how faithful they are to God. Because when they are faithful to God, things go well. When they are not faithful to God, as Ahab is having, you get a bad day. And with the kings of Israel... All of them are unfaithful to God. Well, God doesn't immediately write them off. God bears with them for hundreds of years, and he sends them prophets continuously. And as in the case of Elijah, he also sends them other things that they could understand that he is not happy. In this case, he sends drought. And so our introduction into Elijah is telling Ahab, the king of Israel, that until they come back to God, that until God says so, there will be no rain. And so Elijah himself is going off to the east of Jordan in part because that way he will continue to be cared for. He's going to be fed by ravens. There's going to be a brook that's not going to dry up, at least not right away. And also that brings him out of the way because this is not going to be popular news. So immediately when we meet Elijah, Elijah is in trouble because he is bringing bad news. Because Elijah is a prophet in Israel and Israel has turned its back on God, the entire career of Elijah is going to be telling people bad news because people are being unfaithful to God. This is a tough job, as you may imagine. And as we look at Elijah, one thing that's going to be interesting is how does Elijah deal with the frustration that everyone else has turned their back on God? And how does that situation play out? We're going to do one more story here, and this is also from 1 Kings 17. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and Bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and only a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. It's an amazing story of faith 
in this particular section. Obviously, the faith of Elijah, what we will see throughout the career of Elijah is God says, do this, and Elijah goes. God says, go here, and Elijah goes. God says, do this, and Elijah does. And so one of the reasons we call Elijah one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament is his faithfulness to God. In a difficult situation, Elijah, his whole time, is in a difficult situation. Here, from the minute we were introduced to him, it's six verses later, and suddenly he is looking for food, lest he starve also. And God brings him to this woman. So we see a couple interesting characteristics of God in this also. We see that God does provide, and God provides what they need. God doesn't provide here in abundance in the sense that through this whole time, the widow and her family and Elijah are living off of a small bit of oil and a small bit of flour that just doesn't run out. Rather than opening up the storeroom and finding it full of food, they have to continually trust God every day. This is like the manna in the wilderness, that God providing the daily bread, but not providing more than that. And isn't it interesting that this stranger shows up, apparently a prophet, she understands that he is from Israel. She is not. She is from Sidon. She's a Phoenician woman. Jesus makes reference to this woman later on and says, were there not widows in Israel? But God called Elijah to this woman. And this woman shows great faith too, because she makes Elijah first some bread before she makes it for her son. She has just very little left and she starts with him. What a crazy, ridiculous request that he should make to her, to this woman he's just met, that he should say, sure, make me something first and then feed yourself and your son and the food won't run out. But she believes, she has faith, and the food doesn't run out. Throughout the entire time of the famine, God cares for her and cares for her family. One last story here also in as it goes on. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on the bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with, by causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. It's interesting that the woman says, now I know, because she has been kept fed through this time of famine, through amount of food that is not sufficient for her to be kept fed. But that didn't quite trigger the same thing as this restoring of her son, this restoring of the most precious thing to her. Because especially, again, in this situation, a son is also your retirement plan. A son is your support. When this son grows up, he will care for his mother. So for her to lose her son is for her to lose hope and and a future. And so this restoring of her hope in this time of trial, in this time of drought, in this time of difficulties, 
this is what gives her faith, or at least gives her the opportunity to express that now she believes that this is the prophet of God, that now she believes that he is a man of God. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you want to read ahead, we'll be going on through 1 Kings, starting in verse 18 next time. If you have any questions, feel free to email them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. We did have an issue recently. People were noticing that they couldn't subscribe to an RSS feed from the site, and I did now put some links up there if you want to subscribe to either in iTunes or we RSS. I put those on the site. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.